Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Tuesday, December 1st edition of the MMA OB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Martin, and I'll be taking you guys through the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. And I'm joined, as always, on Tuesday morning by my co-host here, Mr. Cole Shelton. Cole, without a mustache. Bring it back, Cole. I keep oh, going demand it back. No, I hated it. I was so glad it was December 1st. Like, I can shave this thing off now. Dude, you did it for a good cause. I did it a few years ago, and I felt the same way. Like every time I got in a bus, I felt like people were like looking at me or something. So, I, I totally understand you, but it was for a good cause, Cole. So, you know, we commend you for that, man. But uh, can't talk about Cole's mustache, guys, because we have so much to talk about today. Like me and Cole were going through it this morning, and Cole's like, "You got to cut that out. We don't have enough time to talk about it." So, let's get right into it, Cole. Um, we'll start with the UFC card this past weekend: UFC Vegas 15, UFC on ESPN 18, whatever you want to call it. Um, We'll go through it somewhat quickly. I mean, obviously not the best card the UFC's ever done. Uh, we heard the news, I think it was Friday, where Curtis Blades tested positive for COVID-19, was removed from the card, the Derek Lewis fight. It's going to be rescheduled. They're saying December, Cole, but I'm looking at these cards. They're, like, completely full. So I'm thinking more like January, probably. The thing that sucks is it's probably not going to be five rounds now. It's probably going to be a three-round fight. And I actually wanted to see that fight for five rounds because we saw in that Volkov fight that Curtis got a little tired in those yeah. last few rounds, right? So that's unfortunate. But... We ended up getting Smith and Clark in the main event. And on paper, probably one of the weaker main events the UFC's done in a while. Um, to be fair to them, it was short notice, so you can't do much about it. But either way, you know, good for these guys for signing up for five rounds, but they only needed half of one round, Cole, because Anthony Smith gets the submission in the first round. We both picked against him last week. My picks were okay. I think uh, I think I went six and four. I did call three underdogs last week. There was actually six underdogs that won. So a lot of underdogs won uh, in last week's card. This was not one of them. The line basically flipped after the fight was announced to be five rounds. I kind of wish I uh, switched my pick, Cole, yeah. to be honest with you, but it is what it is. I stuck with my original Reed and Clark. I don't think it would have mattered. Smith proved to be the better fighter. He is the ranked guy. But being a guy like Devin Clark, Cole, like, he's unranked. You know, I think we all know he's a decent fighter. He's not great. So where is this point, Anthony Smith? Like, what do you think is next for him? I still think he's going to fight someone. I think he's going to get a rank. I think it's going to be someone in that bottom of the rankings. I like that Paul Craig fight, actually. Both yeah. guys called for it. I think it makes a lot of sense. Paul Craig's coming off <clears throat> like the biggest win of his career, beating Shogun. Yep. Um, he's due for a step up. And every time he kind of gets that, he's Paul Craig's one of those guys where I have such a hard time picking his fights. because I know. <laughs> he goes out there. Alonzo Manifield goes out and knocks him out. These guys knock him out all the time. Or like... Look at that Ankalaya fight. Getting absolutely dummy. Then taps him with one second left. Like Paul Craig would really test Anthony Smith because I think Anthony Smith's wrestling is a lot better than what Paul Craig is. If Anthony Smith can keep it outstanding, I think it's his fight to lose. But if it hits the mat, like I would not be surprised if Paul Craig could tap out Anthony Smith. Yeah, I like the fight too. Uh, they both seem to want it. That makes perfect sense for like a fight night card next yeah. year somewhere, like maybe like March or something. A headliner. They can't do it internationally right now, but that would have been perfect in Scotland. But either way. It's all good. I want to get to this comment. Kevin Scott says, congrats on the baby news. Adam. I really appreciate that. So, yes, um, my girlfriend and I found out that we are expecting a child. Uh, I guess like June or July. I'm not 100% sure we're going to see the uh, doctor again this week. So, I mean, I'm excited, guys. Honestly, I'm 32 years old. So, this is a good time in my life. Things are going really well with work, obviously. So, you know, I love my girlfriend. And um, it was a little bit of a surprise, obviously. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm happy about it. You know, I really am. Um First, uh, at first, I was freaking out, man. I'm not gonna lie, Cole. I was like, "What? I'm gonna be a dad? Are you kidding me?" I'm like, "We did the pregnancy test. I'm like, go get another one. I'm gonna make sure." And then it's like, "Okay." Then the doctor's like, "Yeah, she's pregnant." So I'm excited, man. I'm gonna be a dad, and I'm excited about it, man. So thanks, Kevin. I really appreciate you uh, mentioning that, Kevin. All right, Cole. Uh, the next fight in the card, 
was uh, we'll go through these quickly because there's a lot, a lot of like uh, just stuff that's not really worth talking about. But uh, Miguel Baeza, a guy that we really like, man, I was all over this guy last week, guys. He was like minus one fifty, I think, minus one sixty. That was a steal call. He should have been like minus three hundred. Huge yeah. mismatch. I think they should fast track this guy, man. He's three and zero now. He beat Matt Brown. Now he beats um, Sato. Not a great fighter, Sato. He's got a problem with his ground game, obviously, but his striking is good. I was impressed by this guy. Um, what do you think, Sexer? Do you think he gets a top fifteen guy, like one of those like, lower ranked guys in the top fifteen? It's definitely interesting. I think the so Walter's kind of interesting. Like you have Hans at fifteen. He's fighting uh, thirteen. Like would a Robbie Lawler take that fight? Like if Lawler wants it. It'd be a good one to get test for Baeza just to have that name, but I doubt Lala would take that fight. Yeah. Other than that, like Blah Muhammad's booked. Anthony Pettis, I don't really think Pettis is like the problem is with me as well. Yeah. So many of the guys in the rankings aren't fighting. I know, I know. I think Bilal would have been a good fight, but he's fighting Diego Lima yeah. for some reason, which is such a weird fight. I know it's short notice, but it's a weird fight. I'm gonna get this one too. DJ Hooligan. I right, congrats Adam. I appreciate that, man. Like again, it was surprising, but really nice. And also like, a lot of people from the MMA community reached out to me, which was really nice. Like, a lot of people that I've known through the years, I've been in this business for, like, 10 years. So, a lot of people I haven't talked to in years. Like, even Ariel. I haven't talked to Ariel in, like, probably five years. He reached out. So, it was super nice of him to do that. And, and everyone. I mean, everyone that said something, I really, truly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. I'm going to get this question from Doug Murray. Hey, Doug. How's it going? Question for Cole. I'm shy and struggling to pull myself to get some areas. This is a great question. I love this question, Cole. I'm going to get to you right now because this is important, Cole. Do you have a certain prep you do before talking to a fighter that you interview? Any tips? Solid work at bjpen.com, man. Go ahead, Cole. Well, uh, at first, like, I used to write down all my questions. I used to be the same way when I was talking to people. Now I don't. I just, like, ask questions, like, based off what they say. But at the beginning, like, honestly, write questions down. Even if you don't ask them all, just, like, just in case you stumble and you don't know what to ask, you just have that list just in case. I think the more time you talk to someone, you get more comfortable. Like, at this point, I talk to so many people where – uh, they'll text me like just randomly just checking up like so i have some fighters that like on my birthday were texting happy birthday so like at that, awesome. point, at that point i have a good relationship now where i don't really get nervous obviously at first i definitely was i didn't want to really talk to many people i used to do phone just at first i think that's a lot easier than going on camera at first and then just building that relationship i just think writing questions though and then i just do a bunch of research to like look at who they're fighting look at all their past stuff and then it once you get started comfortable, you can start asking questions without them written down. I think that's when a lot of your interviews are going to get a lot better. I think it's great advice, Cole. So I appreciate you giving it to Doug. Doug, great question. Honestly, that, that's the kind of question we want on this podcast. So I really appreciate you asking both of us, uh, especially Cole. I'd like to give my, my uh, thoughts on that as well. So uh, again, I've been doing this for a long time. I don't really do interviews that much anymore. I'm way more focused on hard news and um, uh, fight betting and stuff like that. So I, I'm really busy right now. I, I will do some more interviews in the future, but right now, like I have so many other things that I'm doing, but when I started in the business, all I did was interviews. When I worked at the score, all I did was interviews. So I'd call guys on the phone all the time and do interviews. This was back before they had like really like Skype and, and zoom and all this stuff and, and stream obviously. So um, I'm the first time. Okay. So uh, it was like maybe two months into my uh, postgraduate degree for sports journalism and UFC 129 was happening in Toronto. So they uh, had a press conference, and um, I asked my teacher, is there any way I can get, you can get me in? He, he phoned uh, Steve Keogh. Steve Keogh got me in. Steve Keogh is actually the Maple Leafs uh, PR guy now, so he really moved up. And he used to do UFC Canada. So I get there, and it's this big press conference, and there's all these people I saw on TV, and this is the first time I've really been at, like, a press conference where other media – because I was in school, right? So there's other media members there, like guys that I knew from TV and stuff. Um, so, you know, we had Jake – there was Jake Shields, GSP, Jose Aldo, and Mark Hominick on the stage. So they're all talking or whatever press conference finishes 
um, right afterwards, there's they said, okay, we have a few fighters that are available in interviews. So I'm walking around, and and Claude Patrick was right there, and Sean Pearson was right there. These are guys that used to fight the UFC Canadian fighters. They're they're not in the UFC anymore, but uh, Claude Patrick's there. So I started talking to Claude. And I swear to God, I was so scared to talk to him. But the first question I asked, he answered fine. And after that, I was okay. But you know, the nerves thing is it's it's totally totally uh just reasonable man especially if you're new at this um so a sec anyways a second after claude patrick and we talk they're like okay george a pierce coming out literally gsp walks right beside me i'm two months in basically into school i'm not even a real journalist at that point i'm like what the hell so gsp's right there and i'm like all right i'm literally talking to the biggest star of the sport right now so after that the nerves got away a little bit but i still get nervous too man so i totally understand what you're saying doug um I know what Cole's saying. You know, I actually thought the phone calls were, were a little bit more nerve-wracking than, than a video call, to be honest with you. Because sometimes with a phone call, like, you really don't even know what they're thinking. I remember one time, uh, 2011 or 2012, really long ago, I talked to Ronda Rousey, and, and she's not the nicest person in the world. And uh, Moro hooked me up with that interview back when, uh, you know, I was working with him. And, and uh, man, I, I remember being terrified because she was not pleasant to interview. And that kind of freaked me out a little bit. But... Afterwards, I found out that she's like that with everyone. So, you know what, man? If 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 you're nervous, it's totally understandable. Again, I still get. I've been in this business for ten years. I still get a little bit nervous, man. They are athletes. They're professional people you see on TV. So, I totally understand that. But at the same time, they want you to interview them, bro. They want you to talk to them. They want that coverage. They want the media to talk to them. They they love when we talk to them. I've never really had a fire except for like Ronda give me negative feedback. Everyone else has been positive. I've met so many good friends over the years, like. Like uh, people that, you know, not all, all of them are still in the UFC, but I remember like, you know, back in the day, like Vinny Mogales, like I, I befriended him on Twitter and, and I met him in person before he fought. Uh, I can't remember who he fought now. Um, Anthony Proche, I think. I can't remember who it was. Not Proche, actually. Someone in Toronto, but he was there and went to his, uh, I went to his hotel room and interviewed him. And, and after that, I'm like, you know what, man, this guy's super cool and he's one of the best fighters in the world. So it gets a little better with time, but I think Cole's uh, advice was really good. And I want to get your other question here. So with interviews, do you tend to talk to the fighter prior to interview? Sweet, I'll start with phone interviews. Thank you, guys. Um, you know, if I'm if I'm going to answer that one for for, uh, for you, uh, you know, for me, it's like you got to build that report for sure. Mm -hmm. You can't just like blindly, you know, say, "Hey, can I get an interview?" Like you should build that report. I know Cole talks to them a lot. Maybe Cole can answer that better. Yeah, like so, I talked a lot of, but even before I start the interview, like before I even start record, like I'm just asking a bunch of questions just about their day and stuff, just like just chatting before. So it's not the first thing I say is a big question about stuff. Just like. I find that easier and that even helps the nerves out just if you start talking to them and then you realize like, oh, there's an average person that lives an ordinary life just like you. There's a professional athlete. It makes it a lot better if you just ask them what they've been doing today, like how's their day and stuff before you even start recording. That'll even help the nerves go away. Yeah, that's good. All right, I'm going to get to this one. He had, uh, Kevin said he's got two, two plus $800 bets or plus 800 bets, I should say. Um, said, buy easy by Saab and Tyson Jones draw, which I did actually write in my uh, props article odds. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> I want to get through the rest of this card quick, Cole, because we obviously have a lot to talk about, uh, but we had those questions. All right, so uh, next up, Parker Porter defeats Josh Parisian. Man, this was a great fight. Honestly, this probably should have been fight of the night. Dana White didn't watch this fight, guys. He was watching Tyson Jones. He even said that. He's like, I had three screens at a college football game. I had UFC and I had boxing. Like, he's literally in front of the octagon. He's got other screens going on. So this fight set a record for most significant strikes landed by two heavyweights in a three-round three fight. It was a hell of a fight, man. Porter looked amazing. Great fight, Cole. I was shocked how good he looked. And Parisian's a guy that kind of killed my night, guys. I mean, I, I had him. I, I, I paid the juice on him, and I paid the price. You know, laying juice on heavyweights is always risky. I was really high on this dude, but he's such a limited fighter, especially after watching this. 
If you can't get the takedown, get the ground and pound goal, he's done. And Porter looked good for a heavyweight. Uh, Bill Algio defeats Spike Carlisle. We both had him as a dog. That was a, that was a solid pick there. Norma Dumont, I had her as a dog as well. One of uh, three dogs I had. Six on the card cash, like I said. She defeats Ashley Evans-Smith in a real mismatch. That's going to be it for Ashley Evans-Smith in the UFC. Cole, no way she gets another fight. JSP, Jonathan Pierce with a nice uh, upset win over Kai Kamaka. This was a fight I met, messaged uh, you about, Cole, and I'm like, man, this line looks really high. Um, didn't bet on Pierce. I know a lot of people did, though, so that was definitely a, a good spot if you took him at, like, plus 250, I think. Um, Kamaka's solid, but, you know, the line was way too high. So definitely a good bet if you bet on Pierce. On the prelims, Anderson Dos Santos defeats Martin Day in the first round of the guillotine choke. He didn't get a bonus. I think you could have given him one. He looked amazing in this fight. Great performance. Martin Day Cole, 0-3 in the UFC. I don't think he gets another shot. Gina Mazzani looked pretty good against Rachel Ostovich. I mean, let's be honest here. That fight was not really a UFC caliber fight. Ostovich proved to be pretty tough, but eventually two nasty kicks to the body, and uh, she gets the finished in the third round. Suma Darji, uh, one of the stars in the card, 44 seconds to defeat Malcolm Gordon, a guy from Scarborough, Ontario, which is my hometown, a guy that trains literally 10 minutes from my house. Uh, he didn't look good. <laughs> He's 0-2 now in the UFC, Malcolm Gordon. The way he reacted to getting punched was was not good to watch. It's it's not the kind of reaction you want from a UFC fighter. Like, he got hit and went right down and covered up. I definitely think his body kind of shut down a little bit for sure, but it, a lot of people said he quit. I'm not saying he quit. I don't want to say he quit because I like the guy, but it didn't look like he wanted to be there, Cole. And I don't know if he gets another shot, Cole, honestly. I know flyweight's weak, but I'm not sure. And then opening up the card, we call this one, Cole. Nate Manis wins a decision – or excuse me, he wins by submission over Luke Sanders – Come back in the second round, gets the submission. Great win by Nate Manis. He looks really good. Overall, call, I mean, not a bad card for what it was, but it really was lacking that big fight. Any more last thoughts on any of these performances, Cole? Well, yeah, even just like Mal Gordon. I was watching with my brother, who is, and he's like, I swear that guy quit. Like, he just fell down. He's like, It's so hard to say a P, uh, UFC fighter quit. I know, you know but, but at the same time, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I do think that's it for Malcolm Gordon. 0 oh, 2, two first round finishes. Like, the first, like, it wasn't even a hard shot in looking. It I looks know. like a jab that, like, just stunned him. Like, other than that, like, um, what was it? And JSP looked good. Uh, Parker yeah. Porter, I think, I t- like, I didn't believe it. Like, when I talked to him before, he's like, man, like, that first fight, like, I had a three-week-old baby. I took it on 90s notice. I had to cut weight for the first time in my life. Like, he was saying how bad everything was, and he's like, this actually be the real me. I still have questions. I'm like, I thought – Parisian was just going to knock him out, but his chin held up pretty good. So, I mean, maybe on a full camp, Parker Porter is actually a half decent heavyweight. You know, for me, it's a learning experience, honestly. Like, I've been in this game long enough that I should know not to lay juice on heavyweights. It was just a mistake on my part. Like, I should have just said pass on this one, guys. So, I know people tailed me, and it is what it is. A lot of people have been at Parisian. I don't really know too many people that were on Porter, but it is what it is. You know, um, yeah, it's just it's risky. Anytime you're banning a heavyweight, if you if you can't implement his game plan, he might lose. Uh, I definitely think heavyweight compared to the other weight classes, Cole seems to have more upsets just because of the the power. Like he got hit with some good shots in the first round, Prezian, and that was pretty much it after that. Porter looked good for a big guy. All right, that's gonna be it for this card, Cole. Um, we have, like I said, a lot to talk about. I'm gonna spend five minutes on the Tyson card with you, Cole. Okay, five minutes. We gotta talk about this fight, guys. So. Me and Cole spent a lot of time last week talking about this uh, this fight. We we were we were two of the actual like the only journalists I saw hyping this card up and hyping the fight up. Cole saying, "Hey, this isn't as bad as some people are saying. Like, it's not as big of a joke as people are saying." And on Saturday night, Cole, everyone that shit in the card all week ended up watching it. Everyone I know watched it. Every talk sh- I listen to a lot of radio at home. 
everyone I've heard like yesterday, today, they all talked about Tyson. Like they talked about the Tyson fight before the NFL games, Cole. Like that's how big this was. So it was a big show. Um, as far as the main event goes, listen, uh, I me, I, I picked Roy Jones and so did Cole. And, <laughs> you know, I thought Tyson won the fight clearly, yeah. Cole. i got to be honest with you, man. Um, the, the scorecards, and I understand they weren't licensed judges. Like they're, they're ex-fighters. But to me, Cole, and I know it's an exhibition fight. It doesn't really matter. This is the perfect example of why when people say, oh, we need ex-fighters to be judges, it's not always that easy. Like, just because they were a fighter doesn't mean they're good at judging. Vinny Paz's scorecard of 80-76 for Jones is, like, arguably the worst scorecard I've ever seen in combat sports. So bad, Cole. Um, Chad Dawson had a tie, which is or a draw. It's so bad. Christy Martin had the only good scorecard. She had it 7-1 to one for Tyson. That's what I had, Cole, 7-1. to one. I can't remember what round I gave Jones, but it was a blowout. So... I mean, does this just is this just another example of, of 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 people assuming that boxing is corrupt because of a of a of a decision like this? Cole, again, I know it didn't matter, but come on, guys, like this was a terrible decision by these judges. What do you think, Cole? Yeah, well, it was garbage. I was <laughs> like, some of my friends at Texas, they're like, uh, did Tyson just ate all of them? I'm like, I could make a more argument Tyson ate all of them than it was a draw. Like there was more. Like I thought six two was the worst you yeah. could do. Yep. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Uh, like I said, I think I had seven to one, but six to two, that, that seems even a stretch. Like it was a blowout, terrible, uh, terrible decision by the judges, but it is what it is. Now I do want to say though, in that props article I had two weeks ago and the lines were kind of taken down some places, put back up a lot of confusion about this fight. Like there was even on fight day, Cole, people were messaging me saying, can you bet on this fight? I'm like, guys, I spent all week saying you could bet on this fight. You just got to find the right book. So there was a lot of confusion. I understand that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, Cole. I just think that the, the result is wrong. Um, so if anyone who had that, that draw, I think it was like plus 1,200, great hit, great hit. And looking back, that was a great, great call, I think, for people. All right. Um, the co-main event, though, we got to talk about this. And I'm going to get to this uh, comment here for DJ. It says, Jake Paul, get the benefit of the doubt now. Guy's got good hands. Let's talk about this fight really quick, Cole. All right, so I got some thoughts on this fight. Um, first of all, I thought Jake Paul looked outstanding. I mean, he's, he's super fast, obviously, very athletic guy, only 23 years old. He's tall. He's got the long range. He's got the personality. Um, he's, he's new to boxing. He's only been doing it a few years. You know, people look at these guys are like, oh, they're just YouTubers. Cole, they're not just YouTubers. These guys are good athletes, him and his brother. Like, they're more than just a YouTuber. To say that Nate Robinson got knocked out by a guy from YouTube, I think it's wrong. I think it's not fair to him. I'm not saying Jake Paul is like this amazing pro boxer by any means. But he is 2-0 now with two knockouts, Cole. And in this fight, he looked outstanding. Um, I will say this. The first knockdown, that fight should have probably been stopped then. The referee gave Nate Robinson like a 20 count. Like that was that – He was holding back in the head for like eight seconds after Cole, getting up. Horrible. And he was like one Mississippi, two Mississippi basically. Like it was a joke. So that fight could have been stopped then. Then there was the second knockdown. I think the fight 100% should have been stopped then. I – I'll be honest, guys. Like I was, uh, I was a little like I'm not gonna say I was completely sober on Saturday watching this fight, and I actually felt like vomiting watching that knockout. I'm not gonna lie; it was like one of the uh, the most uh, sick reactions I've had to a knockout. It didn't have to happen. It was so unnecessary, and I felt really sick while watching that knockout. I think it was just Triller trying to get a highlight real knockout so they could promote Jake Paul. I think it was uh, some corruption maybe from the referee too. How was that fight not stopped? Tom Taylor, the referee, not the Tom Taylor we work with that DJ Penn call. That's a horrible stoppage. And people I respect in boxing, like Fight Ghost and these guys and other um, like you know journalists, they were the ones tweeting, this is disgusting. This ref should be fired. And I thought the same thing. So when I when people I respect in the boxing world say the same thing, it makes me feel better about um, what I thought. So yes, 
it was a nice uh, highlight reel knockout, and it's going to be played in the highlight reels, but it didn't need to happen, guys. This is – I was thinking what to say today about this fight. You know, it's sports entertainment. I get that. We want to watch guys get knocked out. But Nate Robinson wasn't all there after that first or second knockdown, and the referee should have saved him from, the, from getting completely knocked out cold. I really felt sick watching that knockout, guys. I love a good knockout. Everyone does. That one just was unnecessary. It was like watching a guy that's defenseless, defenseless getting beat up. Just give me your thoughts on Spike Cole. Move on to the UFC. Yeah, it was the first one. I thought you could maybe let the first one go just because whatever. It was the first. It seemed like kind of flash when he got up all right. It was just holding the back of the head like maybe he did hit the back of the head. The second one, though, it 100% should have been stopped there because yeah. literally, what was it? I think Jake Paul threw like two jabs in the next hard punch, knocked him out cold. So he already wasn't there. Yeah. And the thing is, like, Nate Robinson, I don't know who trained him, but yeah. his coaches have to be terrible. The guy... His whole strategy was, let me just put my head forward, my hands down. Like He literally just went like this, just at Jake Paul. I'm like, you're going to get hit. Like I don't know why. It didn't look good, but I think Jake Paul has to get some credit because he's looked yeah. good as a boxer. No, absolutely. And you know, and I'll say this too about Nate Robinson. I respect this guy, man. I had a fight in 2014 at his smoker in Muay Thai. I got my ass kicked, man. James was there. A, couple, a lot of friends were there watching that fight. Um, I trained really hard for like two years before that fight. I had a a, a full camp for that fight. I was in the best shape of my life and I still got my ass kicked. Uh, it's not just about that. It's also about the skill, but it's also uh, just the fact that doing combat sports is hard. Um, and I did it myself and I would never do it again. You know, I had my experience and it was a good experience, but I wouldn't do it again. Nate Robinson, I really hope he doesn't fight again, Cole. He has no no reason to step in that boxing ring. I know a lot of other NBA players have supported him and Gilbert Arenas used to play in the NBA was like, we should run it back. No, you know, and, and, and I know what he's saying, like, you know, it's his first time in the fight. And same with me. Like, if I had my fight again, I would do it differently. But you don't want to see this guy get, like, killed. I mean, I thought he could have been killed, Cole. It was that bad of a knockout. And, you know, DJ says it, Nate's NBA career could have been jeopardized. I mean, it's been over for five years. He last played for the Pelicans in 2015. Um, he's only 36, so he's been on the league since he's 31. But, you know, looking at it, people think he's, like, this super millionaire, Cole, you know, I only, it's only $24 million, but he only made $24 million, and half of that goes to taxes and agents and stuff. So he didn't do that amazing in his NBA career. He did okay compared to like average people, but it's not like this guy is a billionaire. So maybe he needed the money call. I really don't know, but I don't want to see him ever fight again. All right, guys, that's going to be it for boxing. We have a lot to talk about with this card. UFC uh, fight night, Hermanson versus Vittori. This fight was booked on super short notice. Vittori uh, switching opponents with Kevin Holland and Jacare. He's going to fight Hermanson now. So I'll set up the card, Cole. Give me your quick initial thoughts on this card. Yeah, it's a, not a terrible card. I, I like some matches on it. There's obviously one fight or two fights in a row. You could probably know which are. I have absolutely no interest in <laughs> I know at least one of them. <laughs> betting, nothing. Like, uh, one of them, I don't even know why it's on this card. That's a perfect, you need a snack going that fight. But it, it's an all right card. I, I actually like the main event more than the Hermanson uh, Holland one. Yeah, it's a good fight. All right, let's get to it. Um, first fight of the night. It's a fight we broke down like two weeks ago. So we'll go through this one quick. Luis Smolka against Jose Alberto Quinones. Um, Smolka missed weight, and then the fight got canceled last week, I think, due to just a bad weight cut. This is at 135, I believe, now, Cole. Is that is that correct? So was the last fight supposed to be at 125? 135. 135, okay, both ways. Smolka, I don't know if he can make that weight anymore. Um, anyways, my right now, minus 135, Smolka, Quinones, plus 115. I think we both missed Smolka last time, Cole. Did your pick change after we missed weight, or what's your thoughts on this one now? No, I still have Louis Smolka. I just think he's a better fighter. I do. The, the weight cut does kind of concern me. That was uh, November 14th, so a couple weeks ago now. 
But I'm still not high on Quinones. I think this is kind of do or die for both these guys. Luis Smolka, obviously, after missing weight, I don't really know how high the UFC are on him anymore. Coming off a first-round loss to Casey Kenny. Quinones coming off that loss to Sean O'Malley. Every guy he's beaten in the UFC is no longer in the UFC anymore. So I just don't think he's he, – whenever he gets a guy that's actually UFC caliber, he loses. I still like Luis Smolka. I still like him to finish the fight probably yeah. by, what, second-round knockout, I'd say. I don't think if Luis Smolka wins, it's going to be by TKO. But uh, nothing's really changed. But after the week, I don't really know if I want to bet Luis Smolka anymore. I'm with Cole on this one, too. Again, I like Smolka. We both picked him. I'm not going to make a change for my pick. And I still like the under, guys. Plus 160, Cole. That's a great price. Um, I think this fight ends inside the distance, guys. I don't see it going the full three rounds. Both guys, questionable defense and pretty good offense. Also, Smolka inside the distance, Cole. Plus 210. That's not bad. I would rather bet that than betting him uh, at the money line, honestly. Because I think if he wins this fight, it's going to be by stoppage, Cole. If it goes a distance, Quinones actually might win. So I like that smoke inside the distance, guys. I don't love it because smoke is kind of a hard guy to trust, but the odds are pretty good. Plus 210, that's not bad at all. Or the under to feel uh, if you want to feel a little safer. All right, next up, we have Gabriel Benitez against Justin James. It's at lightweight. Uh, right now we have Benitez minus 210, James plus 175. Should point out Justin James, his father is dying of cancer and he'll be in his corner for this fight. I saw James interview him, I believe. And, uh, you know, so good for good for him and it's good for his dad. Hopefully... Gets his hand raised, Cole, but I'm not so sure. What's your thoughts on this one? I actually like Justin James. Okay, there I'm you go. High on Gabriel Benitez. I think he's on two-fight losing streak. He uh, knocked out against Sadiq Yusuf, Omar Morales. Those aren't bad losses, but he's just a bit chinny for me. I think it, like he gets rocked quite often. I think Justin James at 155 is a lot better. He gassed out last time at 145, and he even said in some interviews after like that weight cut was terrible for him. That's part of the reason why he gassed out. And he almost beat Gavin Tucker. Like, without Gavin Tucker taking his shorts off, he was close to submitting him. But I like Justin James. I think Justin James is kind of that one-round, two-round fighter where if he doesn't get Benitez out in the first, second round, I think he's probably going to get finished in the third. But I think James has enough power where he can connect someone big and knock out Benitez early. Yeah, I'm with Cole on this one in that James probably will win in the first round if he does so. I, I think this guy is a cardio issue, obviously. Now, I remember the fight with Frank Camacho a few months ago, guys, and then I remember parlaying him there, and I couldn't believe how quick James locked him out. But then he kind of showed his true color against Tucker. The the cardio definitely let him down in that fight, and I kind of feel like that's what's going to happen here. Um, you know, Benitez has been a little inconsistent in the UFC. He's he's five and four, so he's just about five hundred, but super inconsistent. But you know, the guy's fought some pretty good competition, man. Like looking at his resume, and he's been an okay bet at times too. Um, he is on a two fight losing skid. So if you're going to bet on him here, he's not coming off momentum. But uh, I am going to pick him to win. Minus 210 seems a little high, though. This, to me, seems kind of like a minus 150 kind of spot for him. So I would wait for the line to drop personally. But I know a lot of people are pretty confident being this. I would just be a little careful because, you know, he has been KO'd twice in the UFC, Cole. And James could finish him in the first round. So I pick Gabriel Bernitas by decision. I just think James is not going to finish in gas out. But I don't know if I have interest in betting on this one, guys, just because, you know, James really, like, he, that was surprising against uh, Camacho and it hurt me. So I don't know if I want to bet against him here. All right, Cole. Next up, we have Damon Jackson against Ilya Tapuria at Featherweight. Great fights. Love this one. Tapuria minus 235, Jackson plus 195. You see a path of victory for the dog here, Cole? Mm, I like Ilya. Tapura, but I don't like the line. I think this is a much closer fight. Damon Jackson just pulled off a big upset against Mursad Bektik last time, which was a good win in his uh, return to the UFC. Um, but I just think Tapura is a different animal. He obviously looked very impressed his last fight. Beat Yus Zalal, who, if Zalal won that, like he could have been in that conversation for like a new cover fight of the year. Like That guy was on a run, and Tapura just dominated him, stole all his hype. But 
I think Jackson's best path is to see if Tupuria, when he wrestles, if he could catch that next. I don't know what Mursad Bektik does. On the feet, I think Tupuria is a much better striker. I wouldn't even be surprised if Tupuria doesn't even shoot and just stays standing because I think he's a much better striker than Jackson. We've seen Jackson get knocked out before, so maybe Tupuria can land some big knockout, but I just think Tupuria is just going to be able to outwork him over three rounds and win a decision. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this one, too. I mean, there's a lot to like about this guy. Uh, first off, he looked great in his last fight against Salal, who was undefeated. We talked about this last time. He stole his momentum. Zalal was the guy everyone was talking about. Tapuri goes in there uh, and wins as an underdog. And a lot of people were on him as an underdog in that fight too, Cole. So he's good, man. And he's only 23. super young. Jamin Jackson, I got to give this guy credit. He fought back to the UFC. And, man, he gets that win over Bektic. But, you know, Cole, like, it wasn't like he was dominating that fight. It was a comeback. He needed to come back and win. And, and you know, Bektic is a guy that you can come back and win against. And I don't know if Tapuri is going to be the same way. I think Tapuri has, like, way less holes in his game. We've seen him. We've seen Jackson get knocked out a few times now, Cole. I don't know if Tapuria will KO him. Maybe he just grinds the decision out. But uh, I do think he wins this fight. Um, but I will say, if it goes to the ground and if it does go into the later rounds, Jackson's going to be dangerous. So I'm with Cole too. I mean, I think the line's a little high on Tapuria for a guy with one fight in the UFC, and he was an underdog. I think in his last fight for him to be 235 now, it's you know to me that's a pretty big change in how people are viewing him. So. Uh, I am going to pick Tapuria, but I don't like the odds right now. Um, you know, I see some people think Jackson could pull it off. You know, if he does call, I would assume it's going to be uh, by submission, like late in the fight. I don't really see him winning otherwise. Next up, this is a great fight call. Jimmy Flick against Cody Durden at 125. And right now the odds have Jimmy Flick is minus 165, Durden plus 145. Who's your pick in this one? Yeah, this is a good fight i'm really intrigued to see how cody durden looks at 125 his uc debut short notice and how to draw against chris gutierrez which is impressive jimmy flick has obviously a lot of hype after the, the contender series good uh smithman over nate smith he has a former lfa uh flyweight champ but he, he's a guy that fought at a uh, 135 before and what's kind of interesting is he's actually fought chris gutierrez and gutierrez knocked him out so uh he has some good wins like he submitted johnny bedford on the regional scenes he does he did get knocked out for rodriguez He's been knocked out a couple times, so I do worry about his uh, chin just because all his losses are coming by knockout. I think if Cody – I actually like Cody Durden in this fight as an underdog. I think if Cody Durden can stuff the wrestling, I think he's going to be able to pick apart Jimmy Flick on the feet. I do worry about Flick's chin. I Don't get me wrong. If Flick gets this down to the ground, I think it's his fight to lose. I think he probably could tap out Cody Durden. But I think Durden's wrestling is good enough to be able to keep it on the feet. And then standing-wise, I think he's eventually going to land something big, just like second, third round, knock Flick out. You think he knocks him out, right? Yeah. Well, Flick's been knocked out, I think, four times, right? So his chain is not the greatest. But, man, this guy – okay, first off, he's so much fun to watch. Yeah. Like, the way he comes forward, Cole, in that fight with uh, Nate Smith, that fight was amazing. That's one of the best fights this year in Contender Series, guys. Go back and watch that one if you missed it. I like this guy, man. He is super fun to watch. Like, his, his ground game is one of the best in the sport, I think, right now, especially at 125. He's just super aggressive moving forward, constantly throwing up submissions, whether he's on the bottom or on the top, Cole. He is – throwing submissions up. So this guy has a high work rate. Um, he definitely leaves himself susceptible to being KO'd, though. Like, his chin is not good. Like Cole said, his striking defense isn't good. He sells out for the takedown, Cole. But more often than not, he gets it. He just finds a way to get this fight to the ground. Cody Durden is an interesting matchup, though, I, I think. Uh, you know, this is a guy with pretty good wrestling, um, pretty good striking, a decent ground game for what you've seen. So he's pretty well-rounded. But I do have a lot of question marks. Uh, you know, moving to uh, 125 for this fight, that, that that's interesting, Cole. Like, I, I don't know. Like that, the whole weight class thing really kind of throws me off. I do like that Durden went to American Top Team. I think that's a great move for him. Great camp training with guys like Corbucci. So, you know, I think he's a live dog here. I'm still going to pick Flick, though, Cole. I thought about this fight a lot last night. 
you know, I've seen a lot of people on Durden. He's a very popular guy on social media uh, for a few reasons, but uh, you know, he's part of the community almost in a way. But honestly, guys, watching both of them, I've been more impressed by Flick, so I gotta go with Flick. I just think it's, it's a possible upset spot, so I don't know if I want to bet on it. And if you do bet on Flick, you probably should take him by submission because I don't think he'd win a decision call. You know, inside the distance minus one fifteen, not a great price, but. You know, I, I really don't see this fight going the distance. I think someone gets a finish in this one. And the over-under set at one and a half rounds. So you don't see that at flyweight very often. You you would hope it's two and a half, but it's not. So flick by submission, that's my pick. I just think in general, guys, this is kind of a tricky card to bet. I think there's a lot of fights that could honestly see uh, like an upset happening. And uh, there's a few spots I like, but overall, it's kind of a tricky card. Next up, this and this fight's super weird. What the hell is this? Matt Wyman against Jordan Levitt. The ghost this is of the two fight stretch I'm talking about. The ghost of Matt Wyman coming back to fight Jordan Levitt, the Monkey King. This is a weird fight, Cole. Uh, right now, Matt Wyman or uh, Jordan Levitt, excuse me, minus 400. Matt Wyman plus 325. I really like uh, the Monkey King, and Handsome was a guy I loved for years in the UFC. I just don't understand this matchmaking, Cole. Give me your thoughts on this one, Cole. I don't get it, man. I like Jordan Levitt. I'm also, I'm not. Ex- not as high in Jordan Levitt as a lot of people are. I don't think he's going to have much success in the UFC. I do worry about his stand-up. I think if he can't get fight down to the ground, he's going to be in a lot of trouble. But this is a layup fight for his first UFC uh, win. I don't think Matt Wyman... Matt Wyman, his last two fights, I don't know why he's still in the UFC or still fighting. This guy does not look good at all. Not the same Matt Wyman. He's now 37. Wow. I'd expect Jordan Levin just kind of do it uh, just like he did. Just out-wrestle Matt Wyman. Just eventually have success on the feet. I actually think Jordan Levitt could probably have more success on the feet than what Wyman is, even though Levitt's not the best striking wise. I don't really see a path of victory for Matt Wyman here. I think Jordan Levitt's just going to eventually just get a bunch of takedowns. Maybe he taps out Matt Wyman, maybe he ground and pounds him out. But I, to me, I still have no interest in betting. That's just I'm not high in Jordan Levitt either. I think this fight is a little bit uh, trickier than people think, honestly. Like looking at it from afar, Levitt's the undefeated guy. He's 25 years old. He should win this fight easily, but stylistically, it's not the worst fight in the world for Matt Wyman because Levitt is basically a submission artist. Matt Wyman has never been submitted, and he's fought some good guys on the ground. When I when he fought Paul Sass, I bet him as an underdog in that fight. He was supposed to get submitted. He evaded the triangles, actually submitted Paul Sass. I've actually had pretty good reads on Matt Wyman um, over his career. I love the guy. I mean, he's had some amazing fights in the UFC. Fight with Sam Stouts, uh, Jim Miller. Those fights are incredible. Go back and watch his fights. His old fights were amazing, but. Since he come back from his, his layoff, he, he missed five years. And since he's come back, he's looked horrible. The fight with Luis Pena was an absolute beatdown call. And after that fight, I was like, he's done. He's never going to fight again. Somehow he had another fight against Selecki, lost that fight. I think it's just the UFC, they really like him and they respect him. And he might have, like, this might be the last fight in his deal that is old UFC contract. Maybe that's what it is. Listen, Levitt's probably going to win this fight, Cole. But I'm just telling you guys, like, I don't lay minus 400 because what happens if you can't get the submission? You know, what happens then? He does have like two decisions on his, on his resume, and that's actually what I'm going to pick. I'm actually going to pick a decision here, and I think that's the better way to attack this fight because um, the odds are way better, uh, plus 180. But honestly, Cole, uh, I think it's just it's, – it's, it's not Dogger pass because Wyman probably won't win. It's just a pass, though, because let me, we don't really know much about him, guys. And, what, again, what happens if he can't get the submission and gets tired and Wyman gets on top? Does Wyman pull it off? It's a weird fight. Levitt should win, but a mod is sold on this guy as a lot of people are. All right, next up, this fight. Wow, you talk about some weird fights, Cole. I know you said you had a couple fights in a row. This is another one, guys. John Vellante against Jake Collier. Weird fight, man. 
John Vellante minus 200, Collier plus 170, two guys that showed up way overweight in their last fight. They're fighting a heavyweight now. Collier used to fight 185, Vellante used to be 205. Cole, what do you think of this fight? This is super weird, man. If this fight gets out of the first round, it is going to be terrible. I remember you picked John Vellante against Maurice Green, and I <laughs> Maurice Green, and I got lucky. I'm like, what? John Vellante, like, he got choked from the bottom, and I don't really know how he choked. Like, he just, I don't know what happened there, but John Vellante at heavyweight does not look good. He is oh. so overweight. I thought he was an overweight light heavyweight. Like, he looked big light heavyweight. Jake Collier, meanwhile, is an absolute, like, he ate the old Jake Collier. This guy had heavyweight against Tom Aspinall. Showed up, like, literally looks like 200 pounds more than what he used to fight in the UFC. He got knocked out quickly. I have to pick Sean Vellante. I don't think Jake Collier is that good anymore. But I, no way in hell I am betting this fight. I don't care about props, over-unders, nothing. I'm staying away from it, but John Vellante is my pick. Yeah, I think Vellante too, but this is this fight. <laughs> There's no way you can bet a side here. I think you could bet on something, though. Fight doesn't go the distance. I don't think it goes full three rounds. Minus 230. I'd rather bet on that than either side. I really would. Uh I just think there's like there's a lack of defense here. I'll say that, Cole. A lack of a chin. Both guys have bad chins. Both guys have no defense whatsoever. They just keep their hands down and, and basically brawl. It's going to be a brawl. I think it'd be an exciting fight for how long it lasts, but I expect it to end in the first round. Uh, I think Vellante knocks out Collier, but Collier could catch him in a brawl too and, and knock him out. So I, I just like that prop on the fight not going the distance. I think that's the better way to attack this fight. If it goes three rounds, it could be the worst fight we've ever seen. So I hope it doesn't. Um... Next up, this fight, wow, this has got some crazy odds here. Mavsar, Mavsar Evlov, a guy I'm really high on against Nate Landwar. This fight could have happened in like ACB or something cool. <laughs> um, right now we have uh, Evlov minus 570, Landwar plus 435. Do you see a path at all for the dog here? It was actually supposed to happen in M1. If you look at Evlov. Oh, M1, yes, yes, I'm sorry. He put out some Instagram posts like saying about this fight, saying like this is years in the making. He like Landwar was talking with M1 and stuff. So. It's good they're making this fight, but I like Evlov. I'm super high on this guy. Landry, I've never really been that high, and I, I actually thought he lost to Darren Elkins last time. I don't know if I'm in the minority or majority with that, but I thought you could make the case Elkins beat him. Herbert Burns obviously knocked him out, which was surprised me. I did pick Landry against Herbert Burns just because I thought Landry's ground game was good enough to keep it standing, and he would have his guys on the feet, and then he's then the one getting knocked out. But Evlov impressed me last time he went against Mike Grundy, and – I think Evlov is just going to be able to outwork Nate Landier but on the feet using his wrestling. I think he's going to have a lot of success. I do worry about his lack of finishes, three straight fights, CFC decisions. He has a lot of decisions on the record, so I don't think he'll be able to finish Landier. I think Landier is durable enough where he's going to go the distance, but I think Evlov's probably going to like 30-27, 30-26. I pretty much agree 100% with you on this one too. Uh, I like Evlov a lot in this fight. I like it by decision at minus 125, Cool. That's a good bet. Compared to minus 570, I don't think he finishes Landwehr. Landwehr is super tough. We saw that in the fight with Darren Elkins. I mean, he has been knocked out, so let's be fair. He got knocked out by Burns, and he's been submitted before. But overall, he's very durable. He's a he's a good fighter too, man. Like he's always coming forward. He's aggressive, but you know he's he's older than Evlov at 32 compared to 26. Evlov's undefeated. Evlov, I think, has fought better competition overall. Um, I mean, Landwehr's competition UFC has been pretty good, but I think Evlov has fought kind of better guys lately, and. I've been impressed by this guy, man. I know he hasn't finished a fight in the UFC, but it'll come one day. I just don't know if that's going to be the fight here. But either way, this guy is – he's money, dude. And, you know, i to me, he's by far my most confidence pick in this card because this is a card that's so, so weird. 
I feel like this guy is my most confident pick, not even close. So Evlov by decision, I really like that prop, minus 125. Or, you know, I don't like Lane Juice, but people are going to parlay him. I don't think he's the worst guy to parlay. I think he should win this fight, like 95% of the time. So next up, Cole, we have Roman. This is an interesting fight. Roman Delizzi against John Allen. Uh, I like this fight, Cole. Delizzi minus 185, Allen plus 160. What do you think of this battle between light heavier prospects? This is interesting. I <clears throat> I've been fading John. I've just actually picked John Allen um, against Mike Rodriguez, I think, but I'm still not impressed. This guy lost to Vinicius Morea on the Tavis Brazil. If you lose to him, I don't really think how high level you can get because that guy you just need to connect on his chin once and you knock and you knock him out. So I was impressed by Delete's last fight against uh Keats Ibrahimov, who Obviously, wasn't as good as what many thought, but I think Delizze can have a lot of success. I think he's going to eventually land some big on Allen. Maybe Allen dare enough to go the distance, but I think Delizze's probably be able to work on the feet, will land the better shots. I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes him late in the fight, like a second, third round TKO. But I like, I actually like really like Delizze in this spot. Yeah, I mean, most people I've talked to really like Delizze, and for good reason. I mean, the guy seems like a beast. We saw that in the Iba Greenmouth fight, but again, that guy is terrible, man. So I'm not taking away anything from that. You know, I'm looking at his other fights, and he looked pretty impressive. All his wins by finish, but you know, a lot of them came in the first round early on. He does have one third round finish though, so that's interesting. But overall, I still wonder, like, if he doesn't finish in the first round, will he get tired? Uh, you know, some underdogs will win on this card, and you know, John Allen. I mean, he's coming off a layoff. He's coming off the PED thing. That worries me too. But the fight with Mike Rodriguez, he looked pretty good in that fight, man. I thought, you know, he takes him down, grinds him out. That was a big upset. He was like plus three hundred. I think he's being undersold here again. People are kind of uh, ignoring him, and I ignored him in his last fight against Rodriguez. I thought he'd easily lose that fight, uh, and he, he grinded it out. Um, Delizzi, he's good. He's got power. I just wonder what happens if he can't finish in the first round. And also, you know, looking at advantages for Allen, I got I got to find some of them. He's he is five years younger. I mean, that could, that could help. The reach is basically the same too. It's one inch for Delizzi, but I don't know. Like I said, some underdogs will win in this card. I don't think all the favorites will win. I'm going to take a shot in the dog here, Cole. I don't love the spot by any means because the lead's the beast, but I think Allen at plus 160, uh, that's a shot I'll take on a dog. So let's take John Allen, guys. I'm going to take him by decision. I think he can uh, survive the early storm and, and grind out a decision win over Delizzi in this fight. But interesting fight, no doubt about it. All right, next up, women's fire about Tyler Santos against Montana De La Rosa. Santos minus 220, De La Rosa plus 180. Do you see a path for the dog here? I've had a hard time picking this one. I've been going back and forth just because I don't know what Tilly Santos is like. This girl lost to Maria Romero Barella, which is an instant fade pretty much if you lose to her because I don't think Barella is that good. And then she goes out in her next fight after I fade her, after she's gone for a year and dominates Molly McCann, who I was really high on. Montana De Rosa has had kind of mixed results. Like She beats the girls she still has to beat. Like she's beat Rachel Osovich, Nadine Kassim, Maria uh, Romero Barella. And then when she gets that step up, Andrea Lee, Viviana Rojo, she came up short. But the problem is, I don't know if Talia Santos is that step up or if she's on that level the other girls, because I don't know what's the true Santos. Is it her USC debut or was it her last fight? Like, did she just have a good showing? I'll pick Talia Santos. I think she can outwork Montana De La Rosa, but I would not be shocked if De La Rosa ends up, like, submitting her or finishes her, because De La Rosa all wins come by stoppage, so I wouldn't be shocked if she wins, but I... I I don't know. I, I have no interest in betting this one just because I'm so torn on who's going to win. Yeah, I mean, Santos is someone that none of us, not many of us saw really coming in that last fight against McCann. A lot of us thought McCann would win that fight, especially when I saw the price goal. Like, a lot of us got sucked into that. And Santos dominated her. She looked great in that fight. Her wrestling was very strong. Cardio was strong. 
she looked pretty good. She's only 27 years old too. So, I mean, she's got some, some potential, man. And, you know, it seems like she's back on a regular schedule. Like if you look at her career goal, like 2016 fought once, 2017 didn't fight at all. 2018 fought once, 2019 fought once. Now she's fighting two times. So maybe she can get some momentum going. And I think it's a good spot for her against Della Rosa. And, you know, Della Rosa, she does have more experience in the UFC, obviously. She's fought some good fighters. And, you know, she has some okay wins, I guess. Not great, but I guess Ostevich is an okay win. Not great by any means. But, you know, I think she is limited, though, when she fights someone that can kind of dictate where the fight takes place which I think Santos will be able to do. I think if Santos wants to take it to the ground, she'll be able to. If she wants to keep on the feet, she'll be able to. De La Rosa, man, despite what Daniel Cormier said in the Averrujo fight when he was commentating, because he kept saying she was doing so great. I think it was DC. It, that, that wasn't what was happening. She was getting destroyed in that fight. I, her face was just battered. I think Santos beats her everywhere. I like Santos too. She's another spot I really uh, feel strongly about in this card. Minus 220, obviously. You wish it was a little bit lower, but... It's a spot I like, guys. I do like Santos. I just think she dominates this fight with her wrestling and, and, and her striking. So I think she wins. And, uh, you know, Della Rosa, just to me, her and her husband, uh, they've been so disappointed in the UFC, Cole. Her and Mark, they've been really disappointed. I don't know what's – they need a new training camp. I don't know what the issue is, but they just don't seem like really uh, UFC quality, but just a little tier below. Uh, right, would, me, sorry, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Santos by decision is minus 110. I don't think she's okay. going to finish Della Rosa. I think that's actually a better line to pay. That's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Because I, I don't think it goes distance, but you never know. But um, I'm with Cole, though. I think if she wins, it's probably by decision. It seems to be how she wins her fights. All right. Cole main event. This one's pretty interesting, too, Cole. Uh, we got Jamal Hill, minus 160 against OSP, plus 140. OSP is always the underdog, Cole. And, like, half the time he pulls it off. Do you think this is one of those times where he pulls off the upset? No, I'm super high on Jamal Hill. I think Jamal Hill is one of the maybe one of the best light heavyweight prospects UFC has. I didn't really press them. He doesn't have that good win yet. Like Douglas Dosich, I don't I think people were more high on and then he didn't prove out to be that good. Clitson Abreu wasn't that good. I'm surprised it still says it's a win because I thought it was going to be overturned after he tested for marijuana or whatever it was, but I'm glad they kept it a win. OSP though is always in a fight. Like People always question his chin, but the guy hasn't been knocked out in years. I guess the Dominic Reyes one you could say he got knocked out. It was at the buzzer. I'm okay with it being a decision. I thought it was a knockout, but even still, like he's fought a lot of hard hitters since then and hasn't got knocked out. Like even he moved up to heavyweight and his chin survived there. So yeah. I do worry what happens if this gets to the second, third round with Jamal Hill can't put him away. Like OSP is always dangerous. He's if he gets down to the ground, like he has such a good grinding where he could smit Jamal Hill. Yeah. I think Jamal Hill has pretty good cardio. I think he's going to be able to outwork OSP. I think if a knockout happens, I don't think it's going to be early. I think it's going to be like a late one after just the buildup of damage. But I actually think this is going to go the distance. I don't I actually like Jamal Hill to win this fight. I think he's just going to be able to outwork OSP for three rounds. Yeah, and I got to correct you on this one because it is no contest. If you go to UFC stats or oh, mixed mixed, yeah, I know they're wrong. They have to fix it. Because if you go to mixedmartialarts.com, which is the like, I don't really use it, but it's the official one. It says no contest now. So that's stupid. I mean, listen, we, we live in Canada, Cole. Like, weed's not a big deal up here. So for me, that's really dumb that they overturned it. But either way, I mean, I like the guy. I mean, he does have a man coming in here. He's undefeated. He's looked good, man. Uh, I've picked him in all his fights, Cole. And I, I love the guy. I mean, he's he's great. He's got good striking. He's long. He's lean. He's, he's young. He's only 29. I think he's got a lot of potential. You know, OSP is a really tough fight, though, I think. I think this is a really tough matchup for basically what is his third fight in the UFC. It's, it's a good step up because OSP, I think, is ranked number 15 right now. So it's like the fight that would get him in the rankings. But I don't know, man. I think OSP's got a chance to win this fight, Cole, honestly. Like we saw in the last fight with Menafield, I actually picked him in that fight, but everyone else was on Menafield. 
How about the fight with Alexiak? I didn't think he'd win that fight. He pulls it off. Tyson Pedro, I didn't think he'd win that. He pulled it off. Corey Anderson, he was an underdog against. So this is a guy that is an underdog and, and often pulls it off. Um, but he does have so many holes in his game. He's been knocked out. He's been submitted. He's uh, he, he can lose decisions. I think it will look like the Ben Rothwell fight, actually, Cole. I think that Jamal Hill is going to be a little bit more aggressive and, and kind of uh, just maybe win decision here. I think OSP is going to be tougher than people think, though. So I'm probably going to pass on this one. I like Hill a lot, but I, I would only bet him at like a pick and price. I wouldn't lay minus 160. All right. Main event, Cole. Again, it's a short nose fight, guys. Right now we have Jack Hermans against Marvin Vittori. Vittori, minus 135, Jack Hermanson, plus 115. Now, I want to get your thoughts on this one, but, man, I got to be honest, Cole. This was one of the more surprising – like, when you sent me the, the the screenshot from Best Fight Odds, I was like, what the hell? How did they open up Jack as an underdog? I was shocked, but the line is kind of held steady with Vittori as a favorite. So the odds makers, obviously, they seem like they opened a good line, but I don't know. What do you think about this fight, Cole? I like Jack Ramson. I thought Jack Ramson was going to be, like, minus 190. I thought he was going to be a huge fan. I don't see a path victory for Marvin Vittori. The guys that beat Jack Manson are heavy hitters that can stuff his takedowns. Marvin Tori, people always talk about his power. The guy's two knockouts on his record, and they came in the Italian regional scenes. would be a guy that was, he's now 4-12, and 12, and Jack Mason, who's 29-17-1. And if you look down, like 90% of his losses are by knockouts. So he has a bad chin. Since then, Marvin Tori hasn't knocked out anyone. He, we saw him against a grappler in Antonio Carlos Jr., and Carlos Jr. dominated that fight, had a lot of success. His biggest, like, and... He doesn't have a good win in the UFC. His wins are Vitor Miranda, Cesar Ferreira, Andrew Sanchez, Carl Roberson. Like, what's the best win there? Andrew Sanchez, maybe? Like, his really path to fame is he went to a split with Israel Adesanya. Yep. Yep. That fight was not a split at all. That Adesanya won that fight pretty clearly. Jack Hermanson, the guys that beat him, Tiago Santos, Jared Cannonier, since he's obviously Cesar Ferreira beat him, which. I think if they run that back, Jack Manson beats him every single time now. But Tony Santos had a lot of power, caught him. Jared Cannonier had a lot of power that caught him. Marvitori doesn't have that power. Marvitori is also knock on five rounds in the UFC. I do worry about his cardio. I think Jack Manson, we saw him against Jacques Ray Souza. Jack Manson threw more volume in the fourth and fifth round than he did in the first and second round against Jacques Ray Souza. This guy's cardio holds up. And even if this stays on the feet, I think Jack Manson's uh, just output is going to be able to outwork Marvitori. Then it gets to the ground. I would not be shocked if Jack Manson taps out Marvin Vittori. Even though Marvin Vittori submitted Carl Roberson last time out, Carl Roberson had Vittori in a submission attempt. If Jack Manson has that him in that submission attempt, I'm pretty sure Jack Manson finishes it. I like Jack Manson. I like Jack Manson to either win a decision, maybe ends up tapping him out to get down to the ground. But I don't know why these odds. So I love the plus money on Jack Manson. Marcus likes it too. He says, I love the underdog money on the Joker. I'm, I'm with you guys. This is this is weird. I don't understand the line on this one, guys. I know Vittori is a good prospect, a good contender. I mean, he's in the top 15. He's a good fighter, no doubt about it. But, you know, he was trained for a week after. He's going to have to change his weight cut now. That's one thing to consider. Um, and really, Jack Hermanson's such a big step up. Like, yes, yeah, so he looked great against Carl Roberson. He looked good against Sanchez Ferreira. But, like, this is a massive step up, Cole. Like, Jack Hermanson's ranked number four in the world. Can the guy get some damn respect here? I don't get it at all. Weird line. It's weird that the line's actually kind of staying steady. So people are betting. I had a guy fighting major. I love this guy. He's always on Twitter. He might be in the chat right now. I'm not sure. He messaged me saying, he's like, I love Vittori at minus 160. And now he's minus 130. I was like, really? Like, I don't see it the same way, Cole. And don't get me wrong. I like Vittori. My only thing is maybe it's all these, it's, it's our boys like Al Zalino, all these Italians just pouring the money on Vittori, keeping the line steady. Because otherwise, I don't see it. Um, I like Jack Hermanson too, guys. I, I think it's a value play and a dog here in, in the fight. He should be favoring. 
the last few podcasts, there seems like there's been at least one spot in these cards where I'm like, hey guys, the line should be flipped. Like, like even the Nate Manis fight, I think I said the same thing. So there's always a fight like that, and this could be that fight. Uh, Hermanson is just a more well-rounded, more experienced, and more proven guy. He's fought way better competition. He does have some losses, which he'd like to have back, especially early in his career, um, like back when he was in Bellator and then early UFC run. But, you know, his only loss in the last three years is against Jared Kaninger. So that's not a bad loss. Now, that is probably the worry here. I think that would be Vittori's path to victory. Cool. I think it would be a knockout. I think Hermanson's chin can be tapped out. It can be um, can be touched. So I think that possibly Vittori could land. But if he doesn't get the knockout, I don't see him winning this fight. And honestly, I think Hermanson pretty much dominates this fight. Uh, I think his striking is better. I think his grounding is better. His submissions are better. His cardio is better. His pace is better. Everything's better. The question is, is he finished or is he going to distance? I'm not sure, but I kind of feel like it plays out like the Jock Ray Souza fight that went five rounds cool. I think we was, because Vittori's tough. So I think it might go five rounds. And I'm looking at Jack Hermanson. Guys, Jack Hermanson by decision is plus 425. I like that prop cool. Like a small shot in that, I like it. But I like Jack Hermanson straight up here, guys. I think he wins this fight. I'll take him by decision, but you know, Cole's right. He could get a stoppage. Either a submission or TKO, because if Vittori gets tired and Jack takes down, he could pound him out for a win in like fourth or fifth round. But uh, I kind of feel like it plays like the Souza fight. Uh, we see some more striking from these guys. And I think I think Hermanson wins. Uh, give me the plus money and Jack Hermanson at plus 115. Marcus Williams just found out you're going to be a father in 2021. Congrats on the twin girls. I don't know if it's a girl yet, but thanks, man. Either way, I mean, it, it's exciting, Marcus. And, I, you know, I really appreciate your friendship, man. So I, I appreciate the comment a lot. Thank you, Marcus. All right, so just a few pieces of news, Cole, and some fight announcements. If anyone has any more comments about these fights, throw them in there, and I'll, I'll talk about the fights. But get some news quickly, Cole. Um, PFL made a big signing yesterday. They signed Clarissa Shields. It kind of came out of nowhere. A lot of us thought she'd sign with the UFC, Dana White. I was at UFC 245 last year in Vegas, Cole, and she was there as a guest of honor. Like You could see her because she had this like huge white jacket on, like this big fluffy jacket. So everyone's like, who is that? It's a movie star or something? But it was Clarissa Shields. She didn't fight a man in New Year's after that. And in fact, I think that fight was dumb to even think about. The fact we had a line for that. You know the line for that goal was like only like minus 700 or something? Like, <laughs> So she signed with PFL. It's going to be one-off fights at uh, 155 pounds. I still think it's weird that she signed there. But to me, it's like the UFC must have some deal with PFL now or something. Like, Because these f- f- fighters, it, this is a good spot for them just to get some experience. But this is someone who's going to end up in the UFC at some point, Cole. So what do you think about this sign? Because it took me by surprise. Yeah, it's definitely surprising because I don't get why she'd leave boxing. Because yeah, to be honest, like she's the best female boxer in the world. She's undefeated. She's the biggest star. Like she, she probably paid more in boxing than MMA. Like let's be real, boxing pays more. Um, but MMA, I don't understand. Like if she just fights, I saw people say like, oh, she's gonna fight Kayla Harrison. That fight wouldn't even last a minute. Kayla Harrison would just judo throw her down and submit her ground pounder out. Like it wouldn't be close. I don't know why people want to see her against these top girls. that have been doing MA for years. Like Amanda Nunes would just out wrestle her and beat her up in the first round. Like I don't think she's going to fight anyone good in the PFL. She's going to build yeah. up like a five and zero record of just girls that probably even have a single win that are just strikers that I, I don't know. It's definitely surprising. I'm surprised she is making the move to MMA though. I think they got to get the chick that uh, uh, Harrison just smashed from Invicta. Bring her over and let Shields fight her. Like, why not? We, how do we even know her? she has a ground game at all? Can she stop a takedown? Like, we have no idea. Like, we have no clue at all. How's her submissions? This is a huge question mark. So I think, you know, it's not a bad spot for her to get some experience in. It just took me by surprise. PFL signed Verduma, not her. After not having a season this year, if I'm a fighter, I don't know if I'd sign there. I mean, I know they have the million-dollar tournaments and stuff, which is good, but 
it seems risky to sign there right now, Cole. You know, I think uh, you know it's an interesting signing though, and if she could do well, I, I think she'll parlay into UFC career. But it remains to be seen. Uh, Dana White said he's going to meet with Habib this week, Cole. So uh, I think it's this week in Abu Dhabi. I think he's there to talk about the Fight Island too because they want to bring three events. Um, from what I've heard, you know, it's not officially up by any means, Cole. They want to do the the McGregor card, International Fight Week, and then they want to do a Wednesday card and a Saturday card in uh, Fight Island. So. I'm sure Dan's going to talk to those guys about it when he's there, but also he's there to talk to uh, Habib about a return and also the Gorilla Fighting Championships. Do you think we'll get a Habib fight announcement or something out of this, or do you think that's down the road? Yeah, I think so. Go ahead, Cole. I don't think Habib's fighting again. I don't know why people keep bringing it up. This well, Dan is, White keeps bringing it up. This is strictly just probably for that promotion he just bought to try to get him on UFC Fight Pass. He said, oh, yeah, he said he wants to get more exposure. He said he wants to do U.S. shows. He said he wants to get Abu Dhabi shows. Partnering with the UFC – like, I feel like that's what it's about. I think as much as Dana White says, I don't see Habib fighting again. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. Um, Ryzen said they're interested in Anderson Silva. Our boy Drake Riggs used to be our friend at uh, BJPen.com. He broke the news there, Cole. I think that's a good spot for Anderson. What do you think, man? Because I think they could do these, like, freak show kind of fights that I think would be entertaining. He could also do some boxing and stuff. Like, he could potentially box, you know, like Floyd. I mean, why not in an exhibition fight, right? So, to me, like, those are the kind of fights. But do you think – um, a fight in boxing against like Roy Jones would be interesting too. Like, where do you see Anderson Silva ending up? Because I do think he'll fight again somewhere. I'm not sure he fights yet, but I do think that boxing fight against Roy Jones is probably the most likely scenario. Both guys have called for it. Both guys want it for years. Any promoter in boxing would do Jones Jr. and Silva, especially after they just saw the numbers. Tyson Jones Jr. because I assume it's probably big numbers. So yeah. I think that's gonna happen. I don't really know. I don't want to see him fight again. I don't think he. If he fights again, cool, but I think it just has to be those legendary fights. Like, stop putting against the top contenders like the UFC was doing. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, too. And uh, just one fight announcement. I'll get to the rest on, on Thursday at 10 a.m. Kevin Souza or Susie, not Kevin Souza, Jock Ray Souza against Kevin Hall. Kevin Souza's in Bellator. Uh, they did a switcheroo here, Cole. I mean, listen, he's right now he's COVID positive. So I think it's kind of weird they booked him so quickly. They expect him to get better. Maybe he was asymptomatic or whatever, Holland, but. Um, I like the fight. Just I was surprised they booked it so soon, Cole. But hopefully it holds up. Just really quick thoughts on this fight: where uh, Holland right now is a is a decent sized favorite at uh, minus one seventy five plus one forty five for Souza. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't even know what's going to happen. Like the guy yeah. is COVID right now. Who knows if he's still going to have it in eleven <laughs> days when he fights? Like he literally fights in eleven days. I know. So he couldn't fight this Saturday, but he can fight in eleven days now. Like I don't understand it. It's like not even the full fourteen day quarantine period. Um, Love Kevin Hall. I mean, that's a good fight, but uh, I've seen a lot of people on Souza in that fight. I love Jacare. It's a really interesting fight. Anyways, I think that's going to be it for today's podcast, guys. Appreciate everyone who joined the stream today, asked questions, just listened. We we love you guys, so appreciate it. And Doug, especially earlier with, with the uh, the questions about the journalism and interviewing, great stuff. So hopefully some people uh, learn something from that. Cool. Plug your stuff, man. Let's get out of here. Twitter, Akashon91. The show this week is Jack Hermanson, Diego Ferreira, Montana Del Rosa, and Cody Durden. Jack Hermanson, I left the interview in, but it was before you was talking to Kevin Holland, but I actually spent most of the chat talking about like losing out on the till fight in the middleweight division and Adesani moving up. So I thought it was still relevant. There's only a couple questions about Holland, so not much, but it's still interesting because I even asked him because I messaged him because he said something in the Holland fight that it was a lose lose for him. And he said the same thing for Vittoria. Everyone expects to win if he loses, it's not good. But other than that, everything's always on my Twitter. Yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Adam Adam Martin, right there at the bottom of the screen. Uh, you can find my writing at bjpen.com. Odds.com, MMA ratings on net, and MMAoddsbreaker.com. That's the home of the podcast. That's been my home for a long time now. Hope you guys enjoy the show. We have it on YouTube, 
live every Tuesday and Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern. We love when you guys join the chat, so appreciate it. Uh, you guys can also find the podcast at iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, everywhere, really, Google Podcasts. You can find it anywhere. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening and tuning in. And uh, everyone who tuned into the odds.com show last week with Tyson Jones, that's, that we also appreciate that a lot. Hopefully we can do that again. That was a lot of fun doing it on their uh, on their platform. But uh, every Tuesday and Thursday, guys, here at MAOddsBreaker.com on our YouTube channel, you can find me talking about MMA. Have a great day, everyone. I'll see you guys Thursday. Bye.